Hello, and welcome to another episode of Serendipity Girl. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm on a quest to discover and think about, as in just let my mind dwell on these types of thoughts, things that are not only true, but are also noble, pure, right, just, excellent, and worthy of praise. I'm so glad you've joined me. And as you're going about your day, wherever you are, I want to say hello to my listeners in not only the United States, but also in Canada, in the UK, in uh, Germany, Guten Tag, Begeitzinen, and um, wherever you are, wherever you are, I'm thinking. I think I'm forgetting a country. But anyway, uh, these are the bulk of my listeners. So I just want to say hello to everybody. Uh, if you know anything about me, my friends will tell you, my family will tell you that I love meeting people from other countries. So in a way, this kind of feels like I'm getting to spend time with people from other countries, other cultures, other ethnicities, and uh, would love to hear from all of you uh, on what resonates with you on these podcasts. So if you are on Facebook, I have a Facebook group called Serendipity Girl Podcast Lovers. And I would love just for you to go and drop a quick post. Uh, join it if you haven't joined it. It's, it's easy to join. And let everybody know where you're from and what is your takeaway uh, because I hope that these podcasts are encouraging and as I say uh, I like to discover the good in life and the good God who is behind all the good that we enjoy in this life we all know that there's certainly enough negative Nellies I can very often be one so this podcast is a way for me to intentionally focus my thoughts well I've got a quick thing for you that I came across I love to listen to the Bible as I drive on the way back from Zumba uh, when I'm in the car going here and there and I listen to the Holy Bible app it is wonderful You can listen to the Bible in so many different languages and translations, and there are plans if you want to try and read or listen to uh, the Bible in a year. Uh, Now, I'm on the Grace Plan. I, I love that they have a feature on the Holy Bible app. I listen to the One Year Bible. It has a little bit of Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, which I love because sometimes, honestly, some of those passages in the Old Testament, I'm not feeling it, if you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm I'm like, Lord, I know that all of your word is inspired. All of your word you wrote using men as pens, basically. And it's not man who wrote the Bible, it's God. And it's God-breathed. It's the very words of God, which is why we call it the Holy Bible. It's not the words of man. It's not like somebody just sat down and said, hey, I think I'm just going to write a bunch of stuff here. Uh, It's actually God's words. And it's a love letter that is wrapped up in 66 books. And so I highly recommend it. But I was reading about um, Israel today. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, It appears to me that Moses is sort of kind of 
I think they're about to go into the land, if I understand this correctly. They're about to go into the land of Israel, but it's already got people there. And apparently these people are very, very wicked. And God wants them to understand, do not think I'm giving you this land because you're good. You're not. And in fact, God says elsewhere, no one is good. I mean, we all have sinned. Romans 3.23 makes that clear. We all need a savior. Um, Romans and the book of John, a great book. If you want to know what Jesus has done for you and why he had to come down as God in the flesh to die for our sins. Because there was no other way for bad people to become acceptable to God, to be worthy of his uh, forgiveness um, and his love. We're not worthy. He doesn't ask us to perform and die for him and do all these things for him. No, we've got it turned around. Uh, God is the one that died for us. That's what he's saying in Christianity, which stands out so different from all the other religions, which are all about what you have to do to make this holy God forgive you and be pleased with you and have any kind of chance of forgiveness or life with him. And the only thing that differs about all these other religions is just the various ways that things that you have to do, you have to perform. But Christianity is the only one and it stands out because it's not what you do for God that causes him to forgive you. It's what he has already done for you through Jesus. And I get really excited about that. Um, as you guys know, I'm, I'm always just going off in a, a huge digression on, wow, do you know what Jesus has done for you? But I hope I never get over it. And so here's what's going on in Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 10. They're about to come into the land, the promised land. You know, they've been fighting a bunch of, uh, well, they're about to fight a bunch of battles with Joshua and all that. But Moses is leading them. He's pretty old. Um, it's been 40 years because they didn't believe God. So he's like, hey, you're, you're going to make it into the promised land. But now it's going to be a 40-year journey. So it's been fraught with all kinds of problems. But God has been with them. He's been faithful. So now they're about to go in. And um, I think Moses is like reminding them of, you know, all this stuff. Like, hey, remember when I went up on the mountain and you guys decided you were going to suddenly like, you know, rebel against God and build a golden cow? Yeah, good times. And uh, yeah, I came down, smashed those uh, stone tablets that God gave me. And then I went back up and fasted for another 40 days. You're welcome. I fasted for 40 days asking God, please do not destroy them. I know they suck. Um, but And I suck too, Lord. But, you know, please don't destroy them. So then he comes down with the two tablets. So he's reminding them. He's kind of giving them a history lesson because... Well, the sad thing is a lot of them didn't make it into the, the Holy Land um, the, of Israel because of their unbelief. They kind of died. So now he's like kind of talking to the children. And he's like, hey, you kind of need this pep talk, this history lesson, so you don't repeat the sins of your fathers. And um, so in chapter 10, and I hope I've not massacred that. Um, let me know if you think I've massacred. I don't think I have. I'm not perfect, but that's my understanding of what Moses is doing. Um, he's just reminding them of things. So he's like, Hey, this is what you need to know here. Uh, starting with chapter 10, verse 12 of Deuteronomy, he says, and now Israel, and I like to put my name in there. And now Colleen, because it's the same things he wanted from Israel. He wants from us. He says, and now insert your name. 
What does the Lord, and he uses his actual name there, Yahweh, which many people will say Jehovah because out of their respect for God, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for God, um, they don't want to call him by the name Yahweh, but it means I am who I am. And it's every promise and everything about God is wrapped up in that name. And he says, what does Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, your God, your God require of you? What is it he really wants from you guys? Well, he only requires that you do the following things. And the first one is fear him. Now, that doesn't mean you go running in terror like he's a giant horror movie. Like, ah, God. Although everybody who saw God, I think their initial reaction was fear. And Isaiah, I think, was like, when he saw God, he's like, oh, oh, man, I am a man who says really, really bad things. I live among people who say really bad things. Oh, cleanse my tongue. Oh, because when people saw God in these uh, Old Testament, you know, um, appearances, he was, the, the, the first thing they thought was, oh, dang, you're so holy and I'm not. That's probably a good reaction because he is so holy. But then he's always like, fear not, fear not, fear not. But he, this, this word fear, the Lord of God does not mean be afraid of him. It means revere him, respect him, give him the honor that he's due. Number two, what does God want of us? He wants us to live in a way that pleases him. Okay. Well, how are we going to know what that is? Well, it starts by reading the Bible. He went out of his way to give us these 66 books, the Old Testament, New Testament, because he wants us to read it. He wants us to know people are like, well, I don't know what God wants of me. I don't know what he wants me to do. Well, have you read his words? Because that's his will. That's his expressed will for you. If you claim you want to know what God is wanting for your life, I think a lot of times we're guilty, and I'm guilty of this, of just saying, I'm just going to pray, and he's just going to drop kick it in my head, and I'm just going to have these thoughts. The problem with that is, how do you know those thoughts are really him and not just your own thoughts? Well, a good measure of that is you have to kind of know what he's already said in his word, because he's not going to contradict himself. So, first thing God wants of us to do is to revere him, revere, honor him as holy He's a holy God. He is not a cuss word. He's not He's not a cuss word. And the word damn should not be attached to his name. I, no. But it goes so much deeper than that. Because you can say, well, I never say things like that. Yeah, but do we reverence him in how we think and what we say and what we do? I mean, it's, you know, it's a whole enchilada, as I like to say. So he wants us to revere him. He wants us to live in a way that pleases him. Continuing on and love him. Oh, that's a big one. He wants us to love him. God talks a lot about wanting us to love him. That was like the top two commands. Um, Somebody asked Jesus, well, what is it that God really wants? Sum it all up for me. He's like, two things. And he repeats the great Shema. He's like, I want... God wants you, I want you, because I'm God, to love, love me with your whole heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and then love your neighbors yourself. Can you do that? And the answer is yes, but as he wanted us to all realize, I can't do that without you. And he's going to be like, yeah, exactly, which is why I'm coming to die for you. Have you guys not figured out in this Old Testament system of sacrifice that every year you're sacrificing all these animals, and then you got the Yom Kippur, I think it's Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, 
You guys have to do that every year. I Have you kind of figured it out yet? What he wanted them to figure out is you can't do any of this stuff without me. God revealed to me that, you know, you can't live the Christian life before you're saved. <laughs> and guess what? You can't live the Christian life after you're saved. We were never meant to live the Christian life in our own strength. He wanted us to find out experientially, oh God, you're so holy and I'm not, and I can't do all these things. And he's like, exactly, which is why you need me, which is why this whole system is by grace through faith, even from the Old Testament. We were never designed to create all these rules and then try to follow them on our own. We fail in a million ways. Even if you can take a subset of those and say, hey, well, I can keep these 10 most days. That, no. Then we turn into a bunch of Pharisees, whether it's Old Testament Pharisees, New Testament Pharisees, or modern day Pharisees. I mean, I can be a Pharisee, can't you? You know, but he wants us to love him at the heart of it. He wants us to love him. What else does he want? Well, he wants us to serve him with all of our heart and soul. That sounds a lot like the great Shema, you know, um, serve him with all your heart and all your soul. You know what? That's going to keep you kind of busy. If you're doing all that, you're going to be too busy to look at other people and say, did you see Lord what they're doing? Did you see how, what they said to me, what they did to me? That's where I fall down. We're too busy looking at each other saying, oh, wow, you're bad. Oh, you're bad. Oh, well, you're bad. And we don't look in the mirror and say, and I'm bad too. But if we're so busy doing all this stuff, are we really going to have any time left over to be running around saying, wow, you really suck. You know what you said to me? That really hurts me. I don't like you. Do we really have? No. I mean, because we're going to look in the mirror and say, I really suck. You know, I need Jesus. That's the great equalizer. We all need Jesus. We all suck and we all need Jesus. That is a very loose translation of Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.13, John 1 verse 12, um, and a thousand other verses. But he wants us to love him. What else does God want? He wants us to serve him with all our heart and soul. Wow, I'm going to be really busy serving God, right? And doing all this other stuff. How am I going to have any time to do all this other ridiculous, sinful stuff that I do? If I'm focusing on doing that. (laughs) And yet we somehow find the time, don't we? I know I do. (laughs) Every day. It's like I do something. I say something. I think something that's like, yep. I am a saint who sins. I don't run around calling myself a sinner. Because Christ died to make his new people. So that new person is not a sinner. When people say, well, I'm just a sinner. No, you were a sinner, but if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're not a sinner anymore. You are a saint. Look at how Paul addresses everybody. And it's actually God saying that, not Paul. But in every letter, he's like, hey, y'all, hey, you saints. And saints are not just people that do really good things that died. And now we like take their fingers and parts of their body and touch it and pray and all that. I don't even know where that came from. Uh, I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just saying... If they could rise up and talk to you and say, why why are you kissing my dead finger or looking at my finger and passing by it and praying? I can't save you. <laughs> I can't save you. There's one Savior. And he doesn't share his saving ability with anybody else. I don't care how good they are. There's only one holy person that's ever lived, and that's God. When he came to this earth, wrapped himself in human flesh like a burrito, so... Not to be critical, because I know people worship in different ways, but I, I totally don't get this whole, why are we, it's great to say, wow, all these people are cool and they did really cool things and I want to honor them, but we're all saints. 
We're all saints according to God. I mean, that's in the Bible. Read it. Look at all the letters that Paul wrote that he penned that God used him to write God's own words. We're all saints. So we don't be running around saying, I'm a sinner, because then you're just going to keep living your old way. But if you say, no, I'm a new person in Christ who sometimes sins, well, that's a different thing, right? Okay, so what else is God wanting? Well, he says, well, and you must always, ooh, always, ooh, that's tough, obey the Lord's Yahweh's commands and decrees, and I love this, that I am giving you today. Why is God the great killjoy that just wants to make our lives miserable by giving us a bunch of rules? No, he says, I'm giving you these commands today, for your own good it does not help god really one way or the other if we're obeying him it helps us now he wants us to obey him that's how we love him so let's recap all this what is it that god requires of us and let me hasten to say looking at it from my new testament post-cross eyes um You and I cannot do this in our own strength, but we don't have to. Once we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who is also God, you've got God, one God who exists as three persons, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I don't go back to heaven, y'all, because they're like, please don't leave us after he died and rose again. They're like, the disciples are like, please don't leave us. We need you. He's like, well, yeah, you need me, but don't worry. I'm going back to heaven so that the Holy Spirit, it's tag, you're it. Holy Spirit's going to come down now. And he is going to come and live inside of you. And that's what Pentecost was all about. From that moment on, anybody who puts their faith in Jesus got baptized in the Holy Spirit. From the moment they put their faith in, it wasn't a water thing. It was a God, the Spirit thing. And... He came to indwell us so that we became his temples, his living, breathing, walking, moving temples. So let's recap it. What does God want from us? He wants us to fear him, to revere him. He wants us to live in a way that pleases him. He wants us to love him and serve him with all of our heart and soul. And he wants us to always obey his commands and decrees because they're for our own good. Okay, now you might be saying, I can't do all that. Exactly. So why is he asking us to do something we can't do? Because we're not going to be doing it. He's going to be doing it through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole reason why the Holy Spirit came in to live within our hearts. You've got God living inside of you if you've put your faith in Jesus. And if you haven't, I'm like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This is the best thing ever. Forgiveness, purpose, unconditional love. Do you know he sent Jesus to die for you because he loves you? Not so that he could love you. He did send Jesus to die for us so he could make us acceptable because we're unholy little varmints running around creating all kinds of chaos and sin. But in Christ, we have forgiveness and purpose and the Holy Spirit living within us. And like I said before, God showed me in 1983 Colleen, you're trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. Why don't you just give it all to me and let me live my life through you? And I was like, yes. And then I went down to the altar later that night. But the the transaction was done with the Lord in Florida with bugs and heat and summer Florida. It was spring, but it felt like summer because it's just hot down there all the time. Um, But I mean, that's where the deed was done. 
but I went down, you know, that night because I just wanted a little tangible way of remembering it, you know. But the deed was done that afternoon when God met me in a camp when all my friends are at the beach. And I'm like, why am I back here by myself? Because God wanted to tell me that. So, you can't do this in your own strength. But you can't live the Christian life in your own strength before you're saved. And you can't live the Christian life in your own strength after you're saved. You can't do it. Stop trying. He wanted us to say, we need him to do it in and through us. And thank God, he's willing to do it. So when it looks like God's given you something impossible to do, it's because he's going to do it through you. And all we have to do is trust him. So I just pray that all of us would just let God live his life through us. And that as we let the Holy Spirit live his life through us, we would fear the Lord and revere him, not people, not ourselves, but him. Revere him as the holy God that he is, who knows everything and is worthy of all of our praise and our all of our commitment and love and loyalty. And then we would live in a way that pleases him, not noticing if other people are noticing. Who cares if they notice? Who cares if they don't notice? We're not living for him. We're, we're not living for them. We're living for him. It's an audience of one. We're living to please one person one person and then loving him serving him with all our heart and soul and obeying his commands by surrendering to the holy spirit as romans 12 says every day just say god what do you want to do today think your thoughts through me live your life through me what are we doing today lord and it's an adventure and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's terrible but he's always with us and We obey him because we love him, not because we want him to love us, but because we love him. He already loves us. And that love was so unconditional that while we were still sinning, as Romans says, he sent Christ to die for us. He's not waiting to love you. He already does. He's waiting for you and I to love you and I, you and me. I don't know. He's waiting for me. Yeah, he's waiting for you and me to love him, serve him revere him, live in a way that pleases him. So this is Serendipity Girl. Go off and have an adventure with Jesus because it's the best thing ever. And uh, I just hope you guys have a wonderful Serendipitous Day.